Welcome to part two of this episode of the LDS Life Podcast with Laurie Westover. We're going to move on to education. What made you decide to homeschool your kids? Because I know before you were, um, you know, they were in public school and then some went to high school and public school, whatever. What made you decide to homeschool your children? Well, I guess I'd always wanted to. I didn't really like the idea that my kids were going off and somebody else was having all the good fun of watching them learn. Yeah. I, you know, why, why would you want to do that? Well, yeah. <laughs> I know my mom told me that she came close to homeschooling me. I sometimes wonder what, it w- what would have happened if she actually did it. Of course, you could probably argue she homeschooled me part a lot of the times because she made sure I got my homework done, did a lot of ex- explaining to me. So you could probably argue. It's a lot she was a part time kid with homework than it is to teach them when they're in the morning first thing when they're anxious to learn. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how it was with me, and then I will ask you about Lucas because this will get right into Lucas okay. here. Well, actually, before we go there, what was your day? What was your schedule like when you decided to homeschool your kids? What was your day to day schedule like? Because I would imagine. With all those kids, you it was hard to homeschool, period. Well, first thing in the morning, when they first got up, we'd read scripture. And while I was cooking breakfast and the kids, I think as far as you mentioned, Luke and his learning disabilities, learning to read the scriptures, I think, was one of the most important things so the first thing we did was the scripture reading together and then they would do their chores either inside the house or outside the house and when they got that done then they could pursue their own interests and projects and the kids always had a lot of projects going on schoolwork came right after the chores and you know different kids were different the basics rarely took longer than noon or slightly after If they got dawdling, they could drag it out for a while, but they had things they wanted to do and things they wanted to be part of. And we had charts and we had little graphs and we'd sit down, you know, as a family and they would plan their schoolwork, what they wanted to get done, how far through each book they wanted to be by certain dates. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it was just what we did that kids. And if I was working with one child and older one would come along, I remember working with Luke. And Tony came to me and said, Mom, Richard and Valerie, you're both ready to learn to read. Well, Richard wasn't yet four. And I think, well, I'm a little busy right now. If it's important to you, work with him. And the next thing I knew, he had Richard reading well. Wow. (laughs) He could read fluently by the time he was four. They tried to show him off in primary. And, of course, he got a little stubborn. And Grandma whispered something in his ear. And suddenly he could read well right there in front of the whole primary. But... Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know in your book, you mentioned, I think it was one of your kids was sick a lot going on the bus. I think that was. No, that uh, was Tyler. Tyler, Tyler. Number three, they were busing him about 10 miles and he didn't get along well with the bus. And when he'd come home, he'd be, we pulled him out first. And then the other two shortly after that, just a few weeks. Their okay. school was only a mile away, but his was down the road away, the kindergartens in Weston. So, yep, I figured I could teach him the alphabet and to read as well as they could. And the next yeah. year, the, yeah. 
And that kind of, you know, we'd always wanted to, and we talked about it, but it kind of took that little push to, to get me going. Okay. So here's how I my husband lay on the floor and read encyclopedias to him. He turned the page. Who wants to know about this? And who wants to know about that? That first couple of days while I was pulling the curriculum together and getting ready to roll. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about me. And we'll tie this right into Luke, because this is a very interesting story. And quite frankly, I like this story. I was a stubborn kid. I hated reading. I hated writing. I suppose if I could read the scriptures or read about a radio station, that would have been different. Because when I was a kid, oh, all my life, I loved the radio. I would come home from school, and instead of watching TV, I would listen to the radio particularly the local radio station in Ontario, Oregon, KSRV, which was around, well, still is, but it was much different back then. It was very local. And I just loved the radio. I could have a whole, I used to, my sister was friends with a guy in high school that worked for the radio station. I used to ask him all these technical questions. He didn't know the answer. And so I just was glued to the radio. My parents would be out doing something and I'd be home alone listening to the radio. I loved the radio. That's all I ever wanted to do was listen to the radio or play outside with my friends. I didn't like schoolwork at all. And given a choice, do you want to do schoolwork or listen to the radio? Listening to the radio all the time. So how would you have handled that uh, if I was your son, eight, seven, eight years old? Well, first of all, there were rules. You did schoolwork. And secondly, find something they were interested in. I, I used to hide with a book. I mean, gosh, you know, that was the big part of the day was to, to study, to learn something new. To, there was always things to be learning. And my kids seemed to catch that. Luke struggled to learn to read, but all my kids love to read. and They read a lot. I mean, there's always something new to learn. I can't mm-hmm. imagine <laughs> So what would, you, school. what would you have done with me, someone that was listening to the radio all the time and hated reading and writing? I would probably have used those books to teach you from and the programs you were listening to. And, and I'd have been out scouring for different things that you could listen to that were educational. And then I'd be writing little tests on the subject that taught you what you might have missed listening to it. I mean, so you know, I, there was a country song that came out. Uh, when I was starting to really listen to the radio a lot called face to face with Alabama. So would you have gotten me a book on the country group, Alabama, or would you have, would you have done something like that to keep me interested in reading? I don't think I would have had to do that with one of my kids. They'd have been bringing the book to me to tell me about Alabama. So (laughs) it had been boring me to tears. Yeah, I'm just thinking with me, is that what you would have, if you would have, if I said, oh, mom, I heard this great song on the radio face to face by Alabama. Would your first instinct go, oh, I want Kevin to learn to read. Maybe I'll check out a book, a Braille book or figure out how to get a Braille book about Alabama, the country yeah, group. Probably what I would have done. You know, our son, okay. Richard, was an obsessional learner. He would take an interest in something. And that's the only thing he wanted to do. You design the math programs around it, whatever. If he was studying animals, next thing you know, he's checked out 20 books at a time and he's drawing all the animals. 
And then he's drawing all the animals with just their bone structure or just their muscle structure. Then he's drawing all their habitats. Why would you get in the way of that? And as he told the librarian once, she said, you've now read every book in the children's library about animals. Do you want me to send for some of the state library? And he looked at her like she was crazy and said, no, I'll study something else. And he was oh. off and running, you know, um, studied space. He studied for a while there. You couldn't move any round object anywhere on the farm because it was some planet that he placed in place. Going, you know, one, when he hit college the first time, when he realized there were going to be midterm tests, as he put it, I've completely studied three books. Mom and I haven't even opened the other three. And I uh -oh. laughed at him and said, you're going to have a long weekend then, aren't you? <laughs> he, he did well in all six subjects. He was fine. But no, it's just, he's still that way. His wife laughingly tells me that you can't buy him a puzzle more than a thousand pieces because he won't go to bed till he's got the whole thing put together. That's, so wow. I'd imagine... Don't interrupt oh. their obsessional learning. That's how they're learning the fastest and the best. You know? So I'd imagine back to my radio, you'd probably get me books on radio, how radio waves work. And maybe you would have me, maybe you'd devise a math program around radio waves so I could learn I'd math. I probably found you some jobs to do around the house so you could save some money so you could buy yourself a microphone and learn how there it works. There you work. go. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Make it, that okay. interest. Yeah, I, I was, I had a major obsession with the radio as a kid, even on to my young adult years. All I wanted to talk about was the radio. I knew a lot are. about That's the radio station. So. What's that? That's what you do now, broadcasting. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about the ACT tests. Apparently, your, I guess your kids, you, you, if they wanted to go to college, they would take the ACT tests. And how did that go over? Because you wrote about how you would study with them and take the press practice exams. Sure. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Yeah. And Kara was barely 16. Richard was just a tiny bit older when they we went down to Utah State and bought several different versions of ACT and SAT study tests and came home and practiced. My feeling of the ACT test is it's not education. You stop your education for a minute and you learn how to take a test and you learn what kind of questions are going to be asked. You learn what, you know, you learn to take a test. And I've done that with a couple of the older boys. Tony did some college as Tyler has a PhD. So, you know, we'd been down the ACT and the college applications before those two. So, okay. Interesting. Tara yeah, had so a scholarship, a, a scholarship to BYU at 16. And so, you know, she did, she did well on her ACT. Tyler did very well on his ACT too. They all did, they all did well. So it's not like, and I don't mean to make this whole thing about Tara, but I've got to bring this up. It's not like Tara was sneaking around, like she said in her book, trying to study for the ACT. You all knew about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And definitely the same in goes there. for Tyler. They, they challenged me to take the test, and I did, and skunked them both. But my stars, I've been homeschooling how many kids for how many years? I better be able to take that test. Oh, you, know, um, yeah. you don't oh, take the actual ACT test. Just because she said it in her book test. doesn't. Oh, what? Yeah, you didn't take the actual ACT test, though, did you? You took all the practice tests? Yeah. Okay. Tara, Tara went, I mean, you brought her up, so let's finish this. Um, yeah, okay. Tara went to BYU on a scholarship. 
Now we live in a little rural community with a tiny little high school. The graduating class each year is between 35 and 40. Okay, one student a year may get into BYU. A lot of them try, okay? Um, for her to go on a scholarship there from a home school was at 16. She turned 16 in September and she already had her scholarship in place. She started in January. That was because of how she did on the ACT, okay? She yeah. did an amazing score at a very young age. That, yeah, this sneaking around to study it. Nah, <laughs> not quite the way that went. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I agree with you about the tests. I personally, if I had it my way, I would do away with multiple choice tests in college. I think all they do is trip you up. I notice I have done much better in just memorizing the answers and putting them down on paper yeah. as opposed to multiple choice tests. And there is something to be said about what you just said up to a point. I agree with you that the tests are more of a measurement of the teacher, although I think it's a measurement of the student too, because a student has to study real hard as I had to in college. But what I have an issue with are these multiple choice, especially both A and B or both C and D or all of the above. It plays mind games with you. And I hate that. Just have me memorize all the answers and I'll put them down or write them in an essay form or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a test should like teach. It's a, it's a poorly written test that doesn't make the student teach enough to still be learning. Otherwise, that test is a waste of time. Well, I think, though, and I do want to get into that, I took a media law class. And that's where I learned to form an opinion about multiple choice exams. Because what ended up happening is I had to memorize a whole bunch of answers, but I also had to write briefs. I had to learn how to write briefs because that's what lawyers do. And it actually, I felt it made me learn a whole lot more because the chest, the tests were not multiple choice. I had to learn a whole lot more in the book in order to answer the questions correctly. So I actually felt like the teacher was doing me a good service by not having multiple choice exam. What do you think? Or oh, exams? absolutely. There's no benefit to a multiple choice exam. No, my own scholarship to BYU was based, as I told you, on reading the classics, reading them all. And then when you went down there, they assigned you two to write, and you had to write several pages of what that author was trying to make you think about and form an opinion and give an opinion. Every book should do that. That's what education is about. It's learning to think and make up your own mind and put facts together. Multiple choice questions don't do anything but teach you how to color in a little circle with your pencil. You know, there's no education there. Yeah, and I really, I really enjoyed my media law class because I was good at memorizing and I was good at picking up a book and memorizing what was in the book. And of course, it helped that he we took notes and most of the questions were off his notes. But gosh, in order to write a brief for a case, yeah, I had to study that case. I couldn't just go off of the notes and that's where I actually have changed my opinion about multiple choice tests. Yes. Yeah. Waste of time. Yeah. All right. I have to get into this a little bit. I know it's a touchy subject, but let's talk about Tara for just a few minutes. We're not going to bash Tara, just so you know, the no. listeners, we're not going to bash Good thing. Tara. You wouldn't get away with it. No. <laughs> 
but I want to know, I, I, I'm dying to know something. And if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Well, it sounds like you educated your kids pretty well. What was the issue that she was writing about in her book that she didn't know what the Holocaust was? Do you know anything? What, what possessed her to write that? Sounds have, like you educated your kids pretty well. I have no idea because I have given away many, many copies of Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place. Yes, Tara you even quoted read it that together. We read that together. <laughs> I don't know why, why she okay. would say that. Tara was interested in music, in plays, in she had a little little job at the neighbors one hour a day, putting his nut. He ran a computer to, to do the shipping. She had interests. You had to sit Tara down and make her learn. She and you know, one of my kids told me once, Mom, you can make me do it, but you can't make me remember it. And we did that math book more than once, you know. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see who that wasn't Tara. But, you know, no, I, I don't know what possessed her to say that. Uh, that makes no sense to me. That was kind of a topic that you discussed around the dinner table. You know? so, wow. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine you would. No one that knew us well would have believed that. No, there's no yeah. way she didn't know about the Holocaust. Oh, so, well, yeah. Well, it's because she paid a lot more attention to um those fun little books about the, oh, what? Now it's gone right out of my head. The Hobbit, but not that one. Yeah. Oh, Harry Potter? Yeah, Harry Potter. I finally had to read those just so I could keep up with the conversations on the way to singing lessons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, one thing I do want to get back to education. I thought it was a really cool story about how, and I meant to, I got a little off track talking about the radio. That's my obsession, of course. But I wanted to tie that back into Richard. You had a pretty, I don't know if it was your idea. I think it was Tony's idea. Somebody, let's make, uh, let's have these mailboxes. I assume that these mailboxes had a, an address where Richard had to deliver papers to or something. They were they just, just scattered about. Little cardboards to make little houses. And it started real simple with just numbers and then numbers and letters and then simple words. And my kids, they worked hard to help with his things they would they would draw letters in the sandbox and have him try I mean whatever it took to help him learn to read yeah whatever like I said but it and it came and I look at children now you know so how do I feel when I see a homeschool child who can't read well I've seen seniors graduate from high school that can't read how do I feel about that you can only assume the child had a learning disability and his loving parents were doing the best they could and I've seen kids come along. Luke has a couple of boys who've struggled, and he will tell you the same as I did, that reading the scriptures together helped turn it around. I mm -hmm. think regular foot zones, my little daughter-in-law knows how to foot zone too. You, you just work with the child. You learn to teach him the way he learns. And you, you Tell keep us about foot zoning real quick. What is it? We're not going to get into the regulations. What is it? And how do you use it to better improve your life? Because I actually learned about it from you. And then I talked to someone who actually used it, who you know. I won't mention the name on the podcast because I didn't get permission. I can tell you afterwards. Mm -hmm. Okay. A foot zone is based on, a. I think it first one I heard about came out of Sweden. And it's based on the idea that your foot or your hand or even your head is a map of your body. And I can pick up your foot and 
figure out if you're doing a kidney infection or just about anything else from there. And it's a, it's an interesting thing. I've been doing it for 26 years now. It's a long, long time. An amazing thing what you can do from a foot zone. One of our early experiences, the Balinese boys had been fighting a fire and their lungs were full of smoke. When they came home, I was brand new, green as could be. I worked Val's foot, the boys ran off to a, to a dance and daddy got out of bed in the morning and went to work and the boys did not. It took them a couple of days because their lungs were pretty badly smoked. You can make a lot of difference with a foot zone to what's going on. Yeah, I would imagine so. Now, now let's... Had, I was working on one of the grandchildren yesterday for a minute and her friend was here, obviously hadn't heard about it. And she, I heard her say to her, my little granddaughter, she walked away, she said, your, your grandma was talking about your organs and she was rubbing your foot. <laughs> she was totally amazed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I've actually heard of people having kidney problems or whatever, and they got foot zone. I don't want to mention names, but I've heard of this happening, and I thought it was kind of hokey, but then somebody that I knew said, oh, so-and-so did it, and I thought, oh, well, maybe I ought to check into it then. It sounds hokey when you read it, but then when it happens yeah. to someone you know, you think, oh, maybe my it's daughter in law My daughter-in-law came up several times a night those first weeks after Val was burned. She had a set of baby twin boys, just they had only a few weeks old. And she came up several times during the night to work his feet, to keep his lungs and to keep him breathing. And it, I mean, I could have done it, but it was something she could do that took stress off me. And it made a significant difference. It was interesting thing for her to get up and walk. They were living just down the hill from us. And she'd walk up here several times during the night just to sit and work his feet for a so few minutes. If I had a bad back, which I sometimes do get a bad back, would you foot zone me? Absolutely. Interesting. Figure out if that was a disc out or if you'd strained a muscle or, you know, if there was a circulatory problem, you bet. Absolutely. And then if it was a strained muscle or a disc went out, what would you do then? If it was a disc there, that's a way complicated question for right here without any drawings or charts, but you can help realign a disc and separate a disc and send them home with the right herbs to rebuild the disc. <laughs> you know, what we've done that more than once. Okay. It's yeah, not man. easy. It takes time. One, one man I worked with, I told him to stay right in bed for several weeks while we rebuilt that thing. And it, it oh, wow. So what, what would you do if I just pulled a muscle, which usually is what happened? Well, I think I may see. have had a kidney stone once, but I never did anything about it. I think I may have. I'll get into why later. I don't want to get into this on the podcast right now. Uh, what was the question? You lost me. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So what if I just strained a muscle? I didn't pull a disc. Then what would you, what would you well, do? I'd, I'd work it good from the foot. And then, you know, back in just the herbal days, we'd put a, a herbal pack on it. Now, of course, we would use the essential oils to take the pain and the strain out of the out of the back. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. So let's, let's get back to Tara again. We're not bashing Tara. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Lori's not going to do that either, but do you have hope that, well, first, do you think Tara's happy or do you hope she is? Oh my, there's only one question a, a mother and her father can say to that is yes, we hope so. We hope she's happy. How else could you possibly feel? 
And do we think she'll come home? Yeah, we hope she will. That's of course that is, you know. Because yep. I would imagine it would be it's very hard for you to talk about or think about, or I'm sure you have a lot of mixed emotions going through you. No, mostly now I feel peace. This will work out in the end. It, it, really? It'll come. Yep. I don't think it'll be an easy return, but we're praying people when heaven wants us to know how to deal with it. He'll tell us it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a good experience. Well, let me ask you this and you don't have to get into it if you don't want to, but do you see any miracles happening with Tara right now or the relationship with you and her? It'll take a miracle right now. I, I send her little pictures when I find a cute picture of her. I saw one today that I hadn't seen before. She's sitting in a tree and I'm, well, I will be sending that one tomorrow with a couple of questions about her life and she will answer politely and I don't push too often. And we, but, we but do you find that in and of itself a miracle? Let's say maybe, yeah. and I don't know, but let's, let's just say for sake of conversation, Maybe five, 10 years ago, you couldn't do this with Tara. So do you find that in and of itself a miracle or something like that? There was never a time she wouldn't respond to an email. Oh, okay. She might, you know, whine about it a minute, but no, she's, I've, I've worked hard to keep that relationship open as much as I can. So. Okay. Well, that's good. Now. Uh, Relay, do you want to ask any questions? I know Relay is working ever so hard in the back to in the behind the scenes to take notes. I just want to see if she yeah. has any questions. Relay and Larie, it's kind of hard to tell which one of us you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very well. All right. Sorry, my headset died. And so I'm oh, no. strictly off. My computer now and i i missed some of this stuff um oh that's okay i did one i did have a question back here i'm going back through my notes here see if i can find it um i lost it sorry i got <laughs> caught up with my headset and trying to keep up and i lost where the question was. So I think it has something to do with herbs and stuff. Oh, I was going to say, um, you know, the scriptures, especially the Doctrine and Covenants talks about using herbs um, instead of the enemy's um, medicines, basically. So, you know, using herbs and plants and stuff like that is, has a long long history from the beginning of time and and the lord has provided everything we need to treat every ailment that comes our way we just have to do our research and remember that and you know we're also blessed with the power of the priesthood and priesthood blessings as well so you know i think that's one thing that people have kind of strayed away from is that you know it's more rely more on Western medicine than what the Lord gave us. Now I know that Western medicine is good for a lot of things. And I always felt like 
the two should go hand in hand. And, and now more and more doctors are, if you can find a good naturopathic doctor, they, they are more holistic than Western medicine. And they're starting to make a, a huge, that industry is starting to make themselves hugely known. I have a really good naturopathic doctor right now that I work with, with, um, I was exposed to mold a few years ago. And so I'm working with her and she's been really helping me out. So, but I can't find that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let me just make a point here. Uh, no, I am not, I want to make this clear. I don't think Lurie is or relay. I am not anti-Western medicine. As a matter of fact, I took, um, antibiotic just recently because i didn't know how to cure it any other way and gosh if i'm traveling and don't have oils with me or don't know what i'm doing and i have real bad strep yeah i'm gonna go get it checked out by a doctor as a matter of fact i went on vacation a few weeks ago and i had a real bad sore throat i went to a doctor just to make sure i didn't have strep thank goodness i didn't so i just gargled a bunch of essential oils and use those like crazy along with smoked salmon actually salmon really helps with a sore throat if it's fresh um so and i would have taken the medicine if they, i had strep thank heavens i didn't but i i, I at least wanted to know because i was going on vacation and i didn't want to deal with something like this without a plan so i am not anti-western medicine and i don't think any of you are either but uh I think in my opinion, there has to be a balance somewhere. And that's, I just want to make that clear to people. Yeah. I'm not anti Western medicine either. I am anti drug side effects. If you can find yeah. a natural way to do it, that feeds nutrition yeah. rather than sets you up for a nutritional deficiency. Why would you not use it? But yeah. yeah as a matter of fact, doctors and what they know and what they can do. And if they have a, answer i haven't done my homework and i don't have an answer yes huh? well yeah. here's the thing let me just give you a better example i have foot problems i've actually mentioned this in a pre in a podcast two years ago go look up michelle jorgensen who is a dentist who really actually went and saw um there was an incident where i had a really bad infection on my foot and i knew if i didn't get this treated it was just get worse and worse and worse so, yes, I did go to a doctor and they gave me cream and eventually they gave me medicine and cream to take. I had more instruction on how to take the cream, put it on my skin. And yes, it healed up real nicely. The problem was I kept having to beg my doctor for a prescription of this cream and I got tired of it. So that's how I got into oils. And about a month or two ago, actually, when I met you, uh, Lori, you gave me some advice. I actually put frankincense, lavender, and tea tree on my foot. And that wasn't working. But what I did is I put a Band-Aid on where I put the oils and left it there for about 12 hours. And it was starting to work very nicely. So, yeah, to your point, Lori, there's things you can do if you know about them. But, again... I am not anti-Western medicine. In fact, my belief, there's some cases where I think Western medicine is needed. And if anything, I think we've probably learned how the body works, thanks to medical school and such. Uh, what do you think? Well, that's a lot of questions all at once. I think the main difference between herbal and plants and essential oils over drugs is that 
they are natural. They are God created. He endowed their living things. They have their own personalities, their own strengths, their own. You're, you're thinking in a whole different way when you are herbal. And the time, the time for learning is past when the crisis hits. You know, you better have yeah. done your homework first and have the things you need. Yes, oh, thank goodness I had essential oils and band-aids with some me. Good doctor friends that have responded when I need them. And mm -hmm. yeah, not but every every drug has a side effect. And that would be silly to take something for the side effect of something else that you took for the side effect of something else that you took instead of feeding the body what God created and endowed with his own personality and loving care and kindness. It's a much gentler way to heal. Than yeah. Well, I, I just want to run this by you real quick. And then, uh, Relay, if you have another question, then I will have one more question for you, Lori. And by the way, if you don't mind, stay with me at the end of this podcast. I just want to do a debriefing. But I had strep throat back in 1999, my senior year of high school. I had a very unusual case of it. I was not nauseated or anything like that, but I definitely had strep. I took medicine and it took 10 days. I, you know, I had to do the thing where you had to take, I think, one pill twice a day and i didn't notice so when you say it had side effects i didn't notice any side effects what side effects do you think it would have had because i never had strep since then actually now i'm sure an herb would have worked or an oil but i didn't know of any what side effects do you think i had and why do you think i didn't get it again after that well what i've learned about drug side effects and i spent some time researching this is that because they are toxic the body links them to innocuous substances in order to pass them through the kidneys and the colon. And depending on what you are nutritionally deficient of is the side effects you will feel. A person who's seriously nutriently deficient will have more side effects than one who's healthy. Um, oh, but I must there, have had a lot of nutrition. <laughs> there was a lot of research done, you know, linking, okay, the side effect of a certain mineral deficiency is this. And if you knew, if you would run hair samples, if you knew what that person was deficient in, you could predict the side effects that were coming with whatever drugs. So you think uh, I never felt affected because I had good enough nutrition in me, apparently. Well, that was probably part of it. An antibiotic, I mean, bio means life. So antibiotic is designed to kill. Mm -hmm. and it's indiscriminate. It will kill the good bacteria in your gut as well as the strep throat you're taking. Oh. And you may not have connected the side effect, the diarrhea, the constipation, the rumbling. No, I never had coming. any of that. I would have um, no, I never had any of minor, that. Then that was good. It, you were one of the few. People who've taken a lot of antibiotics inevitably will have digestive issues. It can't be avoided. Oh. It may manifest as allergies. It may manifest as, as something else entirely, but it can be hard if people have taken a lot of drugs to, to even know where the problem lies. Yeah. Relay, do you want to comment on this real quick before we move on to the last question? And well, yeah. And you know, you can take antibiotics, um, which is what I recently had to do. I just found out I, a few weeks ago, I had an infection in my tooth and had to have a root canal done. My dentist put me on an antibiotic, but he also told me about a probiotic that I could take that would help as well, because it does kill everything and 
causes a lot of gut problems and a probiotic um, can help bring that back into function the way it should. So, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, I think in the end you need to just do as much education about everything and make a decision for yourself yeah. whether you want to take something or not and how you want to handle it in, in the long run. You know, like I said, the Western medicine is great, but, you know, we have herbs and oils as well that absolutely go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that to me, that was just one example is the antibiotics. I had to take an, a probiotic at the same time to keep my gut from having any serious side effects. And it was helpful. So, yeah. One of one of the things about an antibiotic is if it doesn't kill, that's why they say take it clear to the end of the bottle. If it does not kill everything, what has resisted it has become stronger and it will be antibiotic resistant. It oh yeah. Yep. That's true. That was predicted 40 years ago. Somebody read us an article in Relief Society when I was just a young newlywed, you know. Oh, I was uh, real good friends with a nurse. She could tell you horror stories about somebody that didn't take their antibiotic all the way through. Yeah, that's true. Well, Relay. All all uh, bacteria uh, everywhere are becoming more resistant. It's becoming a harder fight with everything. Just antibiotic resistant stuff are... Very, very common. MRSA, nothing. No, that was a fun fight um, because it is antibiotic resistant. And But a little few drops of Melissa oil or a little frankincense and sandalwood will often do what an antibody can't do because what they had has become resistant to it. Yeah. Well, Lorraine, last question. What is your favorite part of being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Oh, going to or serving in the temple or being married there or accompanying my kids there. Temple is the center, the center of my life and everything that we do. Oh, yeah, but great. Well, folks, I think we had a very good podcast. Um, as usual, I know they go on long. I try to keep them short, but we have so much to cover. And I think it was a very enlightening podcast. And I will talk to you all later, folks. Thank you for listening to part two of this episode of the ODS Life podcast with Lurie Westover.